Oh, what a day! What a lovely day! <laughs> Welcome to the Mad Max Minute Podcast, the daily podcast where we break down Mad Max one minute at a time. I'm Rick. And I'm Julia. And today we are talking about Minute 83, which begins with Max seeing a motorcycle on the side of the road, and it ends with Bubba Zanetti running over Max's arm. That's really gross. The whole running over limbs thing. Yeah. Like with a motorcycle, I don't know, one thing I like about motorcycles is that it's like the minimum amount of vehicle you need to go fast. So there's like nothing there. And the, this biker gang keeps running people over with their motorcycles. It's gross. Like it just kind of skews me out. And especially with this shot where you can like see him run over his arm. It's just, yeah. 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 Well, we're not quite there yet. Luckily, you have a little bit of time before we get to that part. Because we start off this minute with Max driving in the black on black. who He has passed that god-awful truck that we had yesterday going so slow <laughs> with that tractor. I was listening to the crew commentary, and they said that they paid the driver of that truck in a flat of beer like everybody else that was yeah. an extra in that movie got paid in beer. Uh, I hope it was warm and that someone dropped the flat and it was kind of really, like really fizzy and the guy had to like sit there and let it calm down before he was able to open it because I'm that wow frustrated and bothered by that car. Wow. And when a car, I mean giant truck because I like we're, we're way past it at this point and I'm still dwelling on it. I'm, I'm a little bitter about it, I must say. <laughs> anyway, Max is past that now. And as he drives into the prohibited area, he's got to catch up to Bubba and Toecutter, who he was following before. And as he's driving down the road, we start to hear dispatch. We heard him technically yesterday, but it was rather unintelligible, really hard to pick out. At this point, we're able to pick out what dispatch is saying. So they say that they've got a code unspecified. They have a query locate on a black pursuit special. Unauthorized use by a main force officer. This is designated as a potential Code 3 red alert. And I find it interesting that Dispatch is finally willing to designate something as a Code 3. Potentially. Yeah, like baby steps, of course. Yes. But we have had instance after instance of regular officers referring to things as Code 3s and specifically referring to the opening chase of the movie as a Code 3. When Knight Rider escaped custody, stole a police vehicle, and started running. And so my best guess is that a Code 3 is a stolen police vehicle. Because it's exactly what the first race was. That's exactly what this situation is now. Someone has taken a police vehicle. Max took it without asking for it. And he kind of went AWOL with it. Knight Rider obviously just straight up stole it to go joyriding with it. So back in the beginning of the movie with the Knight Rider chase, Dispatch would not call it a Code 3. Right. What what was it? A 44? It was a Code 44. A blockade was not necessary. So what do you think a Code 44 is, if not a stolen police vehicle? Uh, probably just a observe and report type of situation. I'm guessing that it might have been that, and this is way after the fact to be mentioning this as a theory, <laughs> 
but it could be that the Knight Rider was let go on purpose, and the idea was that they would follow the Knight Rider back to the other Acolytes, but Sars and Scuttle were not clued in on that, and so they kind of ruined that plan. That's an interesting theory. Yeah, like I said, it's way far off to be saying things like that. But I'm willing to bet, yeah, a Code 44 is probably just, you know, follow at a distance, don't get involved. Whereas in this instance, they want to find and get back the Black on Black because it is the most powerful vehicle in the MFP's arsenal. Yes. So I actually listed every time that a Code 3 was brought up before in the movie. Obviously, Sars is the first one to mention it back in Minute 2, like I said, with the Knight Rider chase. Fifi refers to the Knight Rider chase later as a Code 3. And then when Max and Goose are picking up Johnny after the Chevy cra- uh, right. after the Chevy smash-up, Max refers, hey, Goose, you remember that Code 3? Right. So this is the fourth so, time. So the officers... <laughs> are referring to that as the Knight Rider chase as a Code 3, even though Dispatch was adamantly not calling it a Code 3. Right. So, like I said, it's nice to see Dispatch taking baby steps to get working up to eventually calling something a Code 3. Oh, okay. You know. So, as we're driving, hearing all this Dispatch talk, Max is keeping an eye on things, and he notices a hole in the fence on the side of the road, and beyond that hole is a downed motorcycle and a body that's just kind of lying there in the middle of the field. It occurs to me that the crash that we witnessed Goose have when he flew off his motorcycle was much grander, much larger scale than what would have had to have happened to Johnny to put him in that position. His bike was not very far beyond the fence. He was not very far away from the bike. Mm-hmm. And Goose got right up from his accident. So I think they underplayed the trap. I mean, it worked. So, you know, whatever. Yeah. But I-, I think it was too small scale. I think the bike should have been... I mean, the bike wouldn't have been mangled per se, but maybe if it had looked like it had tumbled more, like been in a more awkward position... It looks like, from the positioning, it looks like he lost control, went off the road, the bike fell over, and then he fell off the bike. Like, it looks like nothing happened. Yeah. I think that's why Max is so cautious of the situation when he gets out of the car. Yes, because it's obviously a trap. Yeah. And I don't know why he gets out of the car. Well... I don't know why he stops. I can understand why he stops, because he's hunting bikers. And this is a bike that he has seen before... Because Johnny was the one in the back of the pack. Johnny was the first one he ran off the road. And so now he's seeing the same exact motorcycle. Like, he needs to stop and check it out. Yeah. And the fact that he's getting out of his car with his shotgun at the ready, keeping his head on a swivel, looking out for things. I think that's very telling that he's able to look at this and just sense that something is not right. Yes. And we kind of get that sense as a viewer because as he's driving down the road... We have the soundtrack. There is music playing. And as soon as he pulls off to the side of the road and gets out, the music cuts out. And everything is real quiet with the exception of some crows that we can hear, but we can't see them. Mm -hmm. And so there's that whole... Ooh, that's symbolic. Yeah. The birds that represent the gang members, they're around. Yep. But we can't necessarily see where they are. So about the crow thing real quick. Yeah. Sometimes I have trouble with it because there also seems to be a lot of like sheep in that area. And I think sometimes we're hearing sheep 
And I know it sounds weird, but I think the sound of sheep and the sound of crows is kind of similar. And sometimes I'm not sure which one we're hearing. In this scene, I think there's both. Yeah, I I have a hard time attributing that sound effect to sheep, though. It sounds too much like a squawk and not so much of a... But sometimes it's just too soft. Like, it sounds like a lamb. Mm. I mean... Sometimes, yeah. You hear what you I, hear. Yeah, I guess so. So you... Okay, that... I mean, if every time I hear a sheep, you hear a crow, that's a lot. Like, they're they're in there a lot. Yeah. I just thought it was, you know, these are fields. Mm-hmm. And there's animals in the fields. And they were getting in there. Well, see, now you've got me curious. So I'm going to jump on my phone here, and I'm going to find a video where of, like, sheep noises. Sheep noises. Okay, so this is just a little 24-second video of sheep noises that's on YouTube. We'll see what it sounds like. Okay, yeah, that sounds nothing like what I'm hearing. So maybe crows, just the sound isn't always as sharp as you think it is. Yeah. See, you hear the young one? Okay. I guess. It's just... Hold on, let me me pause this, because this will keep on going for almost a whole minute. (laughs) Like, when I hear the sound effects that are in the minute, you know, it's more of a... It's not more of a... Can we listen to it? Yeah, let me see if I can call it up. Yeah, it's just... I mean, it's throughout the movie, but... I think the scene where he's walking across the road and the music is cut out mm-hmm. is a really like prime example of what I mean. Okay, so I'm gonna call it. And the once again, here. at the end of this movie, we're we're gonna talk about things we probably should have talked about like way earlier. Like, why didn't I bring this up? You know, sixty minutes ago. But okay. I don't know. So this is the audio from Max walking around the back of the car towards the wrecked motorcycle. Okay. Okay, well... It's hard to hear anything above the leather. (laughs) Okay. There was that one initial... Yeah. Which, okay. I. That's exactly what I'm talking about. I will concede that a a lamb's bray, or whatever they're called, the the noises that sheep make, is similar to what I hear as a crow. Okay, so even that first one that was like softer, you still think that was a crow? I still think it's a crow. Okay. I feel like. Then if, there's way more crow in this movie than I thought. Yeah, I feel like if there were meant to be sheep, that we would, you know, There'd see sheep. more sheep. I mean, the fact that they're filming in Victoria and not over in New Zealand, I mean, if it was in New Zealand, you wouldn't be able to spit without hitting sheep. <laughs> but they're probably. I think there's more plenty of out. sheep in Australia. <laughs> I do feel like my view of this movie is altered a little. Yeah. Because there are no sheep. I I, I don't know. It, it's different now. I say, I guess you... I don't want to speak ill of the movie because there are not more sheep in the movie. But I have to wonder, like, how the movie would have been in, enhanced with the addition of more sheep. Well, I gotta tell ya. I gotta tell ya. I've started watching The Great British Baking Show Okay. on Netflix. I have fallen into that trap. It's a fantastic show. It's a lot of fun. It's really great to just put on in the background while you work. 
Anyways, my point is that they add random sheep in like the in the cuts when they're doing like a scenery cut and then back to the action, something like that. Because they they put up this huge, beautiful tent in this big old park. And so there's lots of beautiful scenery and flowers and stuff around and sheep. And they use sheep as B-roll. Yes, there are two little black lambs that are just darling and they use them in the B-roll. Okay. Mm-hmm. All right. Yeah. I, I will I will take that for what it is. Yes. <laughs> so as we mentioned, it's hard to hear much of anything as Max is crossing the road <laughs> because his outfit is so loud. Yeah. And I have to wonder, leather is a durable material. You know, it wears well. It uh, doesn't tear like other fabrics and whatnot. It tends to conform to you after a while, so it breaks in very nicely but how effective of a law enforcement officer can you be if your outfit is so loud that as you are being super cautious and trying to keep your head on a swivel and the only thing you can hear is your own outfit that seems really detrimental that is a very good point that i completely agree with and have absolutely no rebuttal or answer for you although now that i think of it We get some shots of Mel Gibson, not in this minute, more so in tomorrow's minute and maybe Friday's minute. Oh, of him looking good in leather pants? Yeah. I, I don't know. I, I mean, we'll, we'll talk more about that when it happens, but I think yeah. I'm going to have to disagree with you on that. Well, I'll say one thing. It would be very difficult to try and convince Fifi to abandon the leather outfits because oh, yeah, he seems like idea. the kind of guy. <laughs> There's a reason that Ziggy... Only wears the leather jacket. Right. And he wears comfortable pants and whatnot, whereas all of Fifi's officers wear head-to-toe leather. Yes. Like, there's there's got to be something going on there. Oh, it's all Fifi. Yeah, in his personal fashion sense. I was going to say fabulousness. So, like I said, Max is trying to keep an eye out on his surroundings as he approaches what I can only assume he interprets as a trap. Like he kind of recognizes that something really fishy is going on here. But there's this moment as he kind of reaches the middle of the road. He's walked around the end of the car and he's gotten to the middle of the road. And he almost starts to like look as if he's doubting that this is actually a trap. He kind of like relaxes and drops the shotgun down a little bit. Yeah, I I wonder if this is a small little pivotal moment for him. Because as we'll see in a few moments, he drops his shotgun. Yeah. And it slides out of reach, which is extremely detrimental to him. If he had still been holding on with two hands, might that have happened differently? Oh, he definitely would have been able to hold on to it with two hands. With two hands. And so Max takes another couple of steps closer to the wrecked motorcycle and then seemingly out of nowhere his head spins around and we see Bubba and Toe Cutter on the side of the road and Bubba has a gun and he fires at Max so this according to the internet movie firearms database is a Smith & Wesson model 13 with a three inch barrel it is actually the same gun that Goose was carrying when he and Max were checking out the wrecked Chevy as they were walking from their interceptor over to the wreck goose had it in his hand so so it's probably another case of okay these are the guns we have yeah why buy more than right what we need this these are your choices to put in the scene so bubba fires at max and then we get this amazing shot it's you know for being so quick in a it's really gruesome yeah 
So they swapped out. This isn't Mel Gibson having his knee blown apart. This is one of the crew whose name escapes me. But they loaded up squibs on either side of his knee and then blew out the side of his pants. And they've got the, the red stage blood and everything like that. Yeah. There is an entry on the MadMaxMovies.com goofs page about this shot specifically where someone alleges that the bullet fired from Bubba's gun goes through Max's right leg. Now, we know that for the rest of this movie and for Road Warrior and Beyond Thunderdome, he's always got a brace and he's always got a bummed left leg. Yes. So this person is like, oh, well, the bullet goes through his right leg. And then, you know, it's the left leg for the rest of the movie. It's goose all over again. And I'm like, no, it's not. You have to slow the shot down to frame by frame. Yeah. Because, I mean, he does, at the very last second, he spins around. It's not so that you, he spins you around, you've got to take that into account. The shot of the knee exploding is shot with the camera in front of Max. For the last several shots, the camera has been behind Max. Yeah. But for this specific shot of the bullet exploding the knee, the camera is in front of Max. And so where the camera is behind, the left leg is on the left side. Well, when the camera is in front of Max, the left leg is on the right side of the frame. Right. And so this person saw that really quick shot, saw that the leg exploding was on the right side of the frame, and they assumed that the special effect was happening to the right leg. But no, if you slow it down, based on what hand he's holding the shotgun in, where the interceptor is behind him, mm-hmm. no, it actually is the correct leg. Okay. So point to me, minus a point from whoever that guy was that submitted that goof. So you so you saw that on like a discussion board type thing? Uh-huh. Not specifically. MadMaxMovies.com, they have a page devoted to, to okay. giving and is trivia there, and goofs. Is there space allowed for people to respond to goofs? No. So nobody corrected him? No, I'd have to email the owner of the website and tell oh. him that it's wrong. And yeah. That, it's a lot of, it's a lot of run around. I don't know. You, he, he's given so much to you. I guess. You give something back to him. I sent an email to the guy who runs Mad Max movies yeah. back before we started this podcast. Oh, that's good. <laughs> and I never heard back. No. Ever. But you let him know, hey, we're doing this. You're like, hey, we're doing this. You interested in contributing at all and whatnot? Oh, and... he's contributed plenty. That's true. <laughs> Very plenty. Yeah. So one thing's for sure. You have to give Max props because he continues to be essentially an adventurer even after taking a bullet to the knee, which is more than I can say for any of the guards in Skyrim. And I would argue that this is really where his adventure starts. Yeah. <laughs> For the guards in Skyrim, their adventuring days ended with an injury to the knee. But yep. for Max, it's only beginning. So his knee literally explodes. Yes. They've got squibs on either side of the, it's really the leg. Gross. It's just boom. He spins around and falls down. And as he lands on his back in the middle of the road, his shotgun just slides out of his hand like, like so many Jedi Knights before him. Yes, absolutely. <laughs> I Just becoming disarmed at the most inopportune time. You know, I have feelings about this scene. Like, mm-hmm. in a couple of minutes, not a couple of minutes, in a couple of seconds, he's going to reach over with his left arm and have much less trouble reaching over his body that is now twice as injured to reach that shotgun that yeah. he couldn't reach with his uninjured right arm at the time. Yeah. I. Mm. Yeah, there's, there's a lot to find fault with as far as Max and the shotgun. 
So just to set the scene here, Max is now lying on his back. His shotgun is just out of reach. Johnny is over in the field. He has now stopped playing possum because the trap has already sprung. So he pops up because he wants to watch. And as Max looks behind him, he sees Bubba and Toe Cutter getting on, you know, starting up their motorcycles and riding towards him. They are going to just hit him square on. And so his idea is to, like you said, reach out with the arm that is closest to the shotgun and just try to get the shotgun. And he completely ignores that he has a service revolver in a holster literally at his side. Yes. All he has to do is stop reaching across the street and just reach into the holster that is like right there. And then all he'd have to do is just, you know, start popping off shots. But he insists stubbornly on trying to get to that shotgun. And it's like, why? <laughs> what are you doing, dude? Yep. Be it aware of your arsenal. Oh, he needs, he's like sitting there. He's like, it's like he's trying to use the force or something like that. Yeah, well, it worked a lot better for Luke. Yeah. <laughs> Although, if Luke Skywalker, instead of being threatened by a, a wampa or whatever the giant ice creature was on Hoth when he pulled the lightsaber out of the snow, if it had been, like, a couple of bikers that were, like, riding Bearing at him down and whatnot, on him. that would, might be different. However, I will say that when he was on Endor and it was him with his lightsaber up against the scout troopers that were on the speeder bikes rushing him, he was able to deftly move aside and then cut the front of the uh, speeder bike off. Yes. Yeah. So basically, Max is no Jedi. That's that's a roundabout way of getting to what I'm saying. Yeah. <laughs> Max needs to let go of his hate and... Trust in the Force. Trust in the will of the Force. But he doesn't do that, and so his arm gets run over. <laughs> yeah. So, like you said earlier... It's, mm, it's gross. It's a special shot, because it is a right close-up shot of Bubba's tire going right over this arm. Mm-hmm. So wondering how he ever has use of his arm again. I mean, the bone would have been crushed, not just broken, mm -hmm. not snapped in half. It would have been crushed. And so would have the muscle and all the arteries and veins. Like, Dale would have been crushed too. Like, how is this arm ever functional again? Yeah, because it's... All... He didn't get medical attention. Yeah, it's... Uh... It's the kind of trauma that you would imagine would actually mean something. And it's the same trauma that just killed his wife. Yeah, she lost an arm. Yeah, yeah. To this type of thing. Exactly. And you can't tell me that just because Max is wearing a leather jacket versus... Oh, yeah, bull. Versus Jesse wearing, like, a bathing suit and a cover-up. Like, leather isn't Leather is armor. there to protect you from road rash. Yeah. Leather, that's it. Leather armor may provide bonuses to, like, energy damage resistance and some ballistic damage resistance. But if you have a bludgeoning weapon, like, leather is not going to help you. Like, it's just going to flex out of the way and you're going to take the full brunt of that. Right. Sorry, I, I dipped into Fallout armor statistics and mm. whatnot when I was talking about resistances there. Sorry. But hey, at least the Fallout series is post-apocalyptic like the Mad Max series. So ah, very true. It's somewhat related. So this shot was achieved by taking away Mel Gibson. They didn't actually have him get run over. They put in George Novak, the head of the stunt team, and dressed him up in the outfit. And what he did is he actually cut a hole in the road that was kind of the outline of his arm. And then he packed that hole with foam that he had spray painted black. 
And so if you slow it down, like super slow down, like it's a quick shot, but if you slow it down as much as you can, the arm, yes, gets run over, but it also gets pushed down into the road. So could you actually see it? So going you, frame by frame, you could see that. Yeah. So oh. so that impact is real, that? and the reason that George Novak didn't have his arm broken is because the road around his arm gave way, took most of that weight. Like you can kind of see, we've got a still shot on the video playback, and you can actually see his arm getting pushed down into the road. That is very scary. Yeah. So that arm, it's, yeah, getting pushed down. George Novak probably had a pretty bad bruise. Yeah. I'm sure he probably also had some, like, plating or something underneath the leather jacket. Yeah. So, seems to me that the title of head of the head stunt coordinator is really just code for having to do all the most dangerous stunts yourself. Right. That seems 100% on the nose exactly what it is. (laughs) Okay. I mean, when you design all of the stunts, the only way to ensure that they're done correctly the first time is to do them yourself. Just do them yourself. You know? Yep. Doesn't hurt. (laughs) Well, it does hurt. (laughs) I'm saying, like, metaphorically, it doesn't hurt to do it yourself. But, like, physically, yeah, it it does hurt (laughs) to do it yourself. So, oh, poor old Max. He gets his arm run over and he kind of curls up and cradles it as he rolls around on the road. Yeah, all of a sudden his knee doesn't seem to be bothering him too much. Yeah. So what stood out to me as he's rolling around on the road is not so much how little his knee appears to be bothering him at this point, but it's the fact that Toe Cutter just kind of rides by after letting Bubba run over Max's arm. You would imagine... Toe Cutter being the guy who just ran over a lady and a baby, and he suddenly has this hands-off approach to dealing with a cop. It reminds me of his interaction, Toe Cutter's interaction with Johnny and Goose. Mm -hmm. And that was, Johnny and Goose was more of a personal vendetta between the two that developed over the course of the movie leading to Goose's death. So Toe Cutter was there... He only came into it when Johnny just wasn't cutting it anymore. Yeah, because this was Johnny's initiation. Yes, he influenced Johnny at the very end and basically pushed him over the edge. That's it's not really what is happening here. This isn't Bubba's pet vendetta. Nope. It has nothing to do with Bubba. It's a direct result of Toe Cutter's personal vendetta against Jesse. Yeah. So I don't know why he's not taking a hands-on approach. Yeah, Toe Cutter could have, I think you said it perfectly, he could have at least like kicked out a foot and like kicked uh, Max in the face or something. Yeah. That actually might have killed him. Like the boots that they wear, they're like metal tipped. Yeah. (laughs) They have these little metal caps on them. He could have killed him right there. Yeah. Be like that old comedy thing. Boot to the head. I don't, I don't remember who did it, but you know. Okay. Boot to the head. Boot to the head. Okay. (laughs) I have no idea what you're talking about. That's fine. I don't I don't have the ability to properly attribute it anyway, so Okay. I'm no good either. All right. So So I... we end this minute with Bubba and Toe Cutter riding past Max. They are kind of going into a maneuver to turn around and go for a second pass, and Johnny is just kind of outstanding in his field. Yes. Not that he is himself outstanding. outstanding. He is field. just out in a field standing. What's the you know the organizations that are like super generic, like like Wisconsin cheese and eggs, and they put commercials for it's not for a specific brand. It's like yay eggs. 
Yeah. You know what I'm talking about? I know what you're talking about. Okay. There's one for like California cows. Pretty okay. sure it's California cows. And their thing is that they are outstanding in the field. Mm. That's like their their phrase or catchphrase is they're outstanding in the field. Yeah. I think I've seen commercials. And pictures of cows just outstanding in the field. I think I've seen commercials that they've put out where like a cow will start out in Wyoming or Montana and it'll be like really cold and snowy. And yes. the cow will just like start walking and another cow will be like, where's Jim going? And it's like, oh, he's going to California where it's warm. Yes. And it's like, happy cows live in California. Exactly. That's exactly what I'm talking about. Yeah. Yes. Outstanding in the field. It always makes me laugh. Yeah. <laughs> Well, if you want to be considered outstanding in your field, you can go visit our website, which is MadMaxMinute.com. You can follow us on Twitter at MadMaxMinute, like us on Facebook, and join our listeners page, Mad Max Minute Beyond Microphone. Thank you for joining us for Mad Max Minute number 83. We'll see you tomorrow. Motorbikes and leather men.